today on CityCast Denver. January 1st, 2014 was the day Colorado officially legalized recreational cannabis sales. And the Denver Post cannabis editor, Ricardo Baca, had a front row seat to the beginning of a new era, an era of legal weed. We have an opportunity here that nobody ever gets. They were laying the foundation for an industry that had never existed in a legal regulated market. Entrepreneurs raced into the industry, opening dispensaries, starting industrial grows, and expanding Colorado's legal weed community every year into a multi-billion dollar industry. But now, Baca has joined the industry, and as a proprietor of his own cannabis-oriented PR agency, Grasslands, he's had to watch as this rocket to the moon fell back down to earth. For the first time ever, cannabis sales in Colorado are dropping, and they've been falling for more than a year. When you see your primary industry hurting like that, 24% drop year over year, it's, it's absolutely terrifying, you know? And what that means for us as a small business is really scary. Today is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Ricardo Baca, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks, Bree. It's great to be here. So, Ricardo, something weird is happening in Colorado's weed industry. Sales are down, and they've been dropping for more than a year. And I have to be honest with you, I I don't understand why. Why? Why? Do you have any ideas why this is happening? <laughs> yeah, you know, I have a couple ideas. Uh, you know, the the truth is, absolutely, when you're looking at that data, sales are down, uh, looking like 24% year over year in Colorado. Um, we hate seeing that, of course. You know, I was a journalist for a long time, covered the space, and now kind of in the cannabis industry. But I think that doesn't tell the whole story, Brie, because I think you have to zoom out to really understand where we're at, especially given the craziness of the, these last few years, given the impact of COVID on us and our personal lives and where we could go and what we could do. And I think when you zoom out, it makes a lot more sense what we're going through. And it actually shows that there actually has been uh, consistent growth in in the kind of regulated market um, when things are a little bit more normal. So you're saying this is kind of like almost everything else in our lives. Things got a little <laughs> weird and our habits maybe changed whether we wanted them to or not. Exactly. I mean, when you, when we think put ourselves in our old shoes, right, April of 2020, um, we were staring down the, 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 the barrel of the unknown, and that was so terrifying. We didn't really know what was happening, and then we were forced to stay in our houses for so long. And of course, that changed our patterns of consumption on every front. You know, we were eating at home a lot more and so many other things. And, and I remember talking to my colleagues at the time because, of course, our agency, we work primarily with brands and cannabis. And, and we were just wondering, hey, are we going to see like a, a pandemic bump? in sales because of this, because suddenly we have a captive audience and no longer can they go skiing and to Red Rocks. Suddenly they're confined to their own home. And you know what's great when you're confined to your own home is weed. And weed. Weed. 100%. I mean, I'm thinking about the prohibition moment, those like three hours or whatever, when the mayor was like, well, maybe we don't need weed or alcohol. And everybody was like, ah! 
<laughs> oh my gosh, that was so broken. Seriously, and 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 of course we did see a huge uh, pandemic bump, Bree. So and and I think so we now did. Oh, we did we ever? Yeah, it was mammoth. When in, in many ways, when you're talking to cannabis policy experts, they almost are telling people to throw out 2020 and 2021 because that data is not representative of what actually happened. You know, this was an abnormal time. It changed all of our patterns and our habits. And so throw that data out. And it's it's actually more helpful to look what happened in 2019. And what's interesting is when you look at that data, you see a different story laying out. And so uh, coming from the Colorado Department of Revenue, which manages all of those cannabis, uh, the tax information and the sales, you know, um, January through May of 2019, we sold 663 million in cannabis. And January through May of 2022, this year, we sold 758 million in cannabis. So we're seeing growth between the normal year, quote unquote, oh. normal year of 2019 to 2022. And with that pandemic bump, it just threw all of the calculations. It threw that normality into a total tailspin. So I have to ask you, though, you're a PR guy. Your business is PR for companies that make their money in cannabis in some capacity. True. Are you worried at all? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and I, I was especially worried before I kind of heard what economists and poly, policy experts were talking about with this pandemic bump. And this is just things returning to normal, because when you see your primary industry hurting like that, 24 percent drop year over year, it's it's absolutely terrifying. You know, more than 90 percent of our clients are in cannabis. And and what that means for us as a small business is really scary. But the truth is, all of our clients they were thriving in 2019 when those figures were what they were. And then they had a couple of very strange years, uh, social distancing inside manufacturing facilities um, and so many other things, but they really pushed through. And in many ways, they benefited it from it because we did see that massive, massive spike. And now things are coming back to normal and we just need to right size our, 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 our expectations, our budgets, our staffs, our facilities for that um, normalization. So one thing I know about the cannabis industry is that it's heavily regulated and taxed, and it's been that way since the beginning. Um, I wonder, is there anyone in the industry talking about trying to change that now that sales are down? There has been a concerted effort in some of these states, because you're right, of course, cannabis remains federally illegal. It's Schedule 1 on the Controlled Substances Act. It's so ridiculous. Um, but because of that, we really do have an overregulated market, and we have seen concerted efforts in different territories to really overcome some of these outdated and completely unfair regulations, if we're being real. I mean, um, so uh, the industry in California this last year really banded together and went to Governor Gavin Newsom and just said straight up, let's be real. Uh, this is how you regulated us at the beginning, but now we know this does not work. The, between that and the federal regulations, things like IRS tax code 280E, which forced these plant touching businesses to pay an effective tax rate that's twice that of any other business. I mean, it's impossible it's nearly impossible to be profitable with a lot of these things. And so 
the California industry did successfully lobby to get rid of a big cultivation tax. It's a huge step forward. And really, they gave us all a blueprint for how we can tackle these kinds of issues in our own home markets. And I think we're going to be seeing some action on this level in the next legislative session coming up in January. And, and I'm confident that if we put something realistic and honest and meaningful in front of Governor Polis, that he's going to sign it. So I, this next question I have, I realize might be answered by what we've been talking about already, which is that Nine News reported that the marijuana that a marijuana industry group said that they are still seeing the same amount of people come into stores to buy cannabis, but they're not seeing people buy as much as they used to. Mm. Uh, is that re- I mean, I, I don't know. Is this just maybe a misinterpretation of that data where we had the lost years? Or I, I don't know. What do you think about that? I wonder, you know, I have seen some data out there. What that's known in kind of retail uh, industry is like basket size, right? Uh, You're walking into the grocery store, are you spending $50 or $150? Uh, Same thing with dispensaries, of course. Um, I tend to only go to the dispensary uh, every maybe month and a half. I usually buy my legal limit there. So I'm I'm walking out spending $250-$300. Um, That's not regular. Uh, Most people are going once a week, once every other week. And are they buying less now than they were a year or two ago? I'm guessing so, you know, especially because it really is how you look at that data. You know, the the regulators in the state of Oregon, they're the ones who first kind of broached this subject of comparing 2019 data to 2022 data, saying these are semi-normal years. But when when you're looking at year over year, um, there is a bloodbath happening in Colorado, in California, in Oregon. And that is why uh, there is this right sizing happening. Um, When we look at that year over year data, I'm pretty confident that we would see smaller basket sizes, um, people buying less, making it stretch further. And in part, that is because the world has opened up. We're taking trips, we're hopping on airplanes, we're going camping and we're going to Red Rocks again. And thank goodness, my word. But (laughs) but at the same time, you know, I, I, I think that people are probably, again, changing their consumption patterns. So it means they need less cannabis. And, um, you know, hopefully we don't have to do a lockdown anytime soon. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. So I'm interested in this, continuing this conversation about like what this looks like for the future of Denver. And I just think about like recently we had a chain of dispensaries closed, buddy boy. Are you expecting to see more of that? Is that an even out? Is that just kind of part of this, a newer industry finding its way? 
I think so. You know, you think about it, and this is less than 10 years old. Um, in fact, we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of legal cannabis in Colorado very soon at the end of this year. Um, and so without a doubt, I think we will see more closures. But I think what we're going to see more of is that acquisition, that consolidation that has really defined the Colorado market and the national cannabis market for the last few years. Um, you look at some of these big acquisitions in Colorado, um, you know, Columbia Care made a huge move to come into Colorado with the purchase of the Green Solution and Medicine Man. Cureleaf bought Los Sueños Farms down south. Uh, Pharmacan bought LiveWell. And, you know, uh, it, the, the list keeps going on. It's kind of amazing seeing all of these mostly East Coast-based MSOs or multi-state operators coming into Colorado, coming into other states states and gobbling uh, these licenses up in the hopes that eventual federal legalization opens those gates and then they have the best footprint that can dominate this market and can become the 7-Eleven or, or, the, or the McDonald's. So I think we should expect to see a lot more change. Um, and then at the same time, I think we're going to see a lot of things stay the same because I know one thing that's really important to our governor is that Colorado remains a hub of innovation. And sure, we can't compare it to sales numbers in California. The minute that market went legal, they became the, the largest market in the world. Uh, it's and, California. And we can't compete <laughs> with them for a lot of things. It makes yeah, sense. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Illinois is surpassing us in sales and New Jersey's getting ready to too. But we still have this thought leadership here, this 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 memory muscle, this uh, industry that has been here, that was truly born here. Legal cannabis, regulated cannabis was born in Colorado, which is why people use this phrase when they're talking about regulatory systems, and that is the Colorado model. Uh, New Jersey has the Colorado model. California has a bunch of the Colorado model. Uh, so as we see our market shift locally and the names change on the doors and some of those doors close, uh, we will also see uh, the, the continued rise of Colorado's uh, you know, head start that we got by voting to legalize cannabis back in 2012. So are you not at all worried of that about that idea of the sort of McDonaldization of 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 cannabis? I'm just thinking about how you're talking about these major companies from out of state coming in and buying up some of our littler guys. And I don't know, that makes me a little nervous, but I also realize this is the way the world works, I guess. I know, you know, <laughs> I think back in the day, I think about reporting on this subject back in 2013 and 14, and, and so many idealistic entrepreneurs at the time were saying, let's create a different kind of industry. We have an opportunity here that nobody ever gets. They were laying the foundation for an industry that had never existed in a legal regulated market. And maybe we can be more fair uh, to all populations and have more women in ownership and management Roles than traditional industry. And while it definitely started that way, the numbers are trending so that cannabis will be like every other industry, controlled mostly by my, white male men. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's how it goes. And in terms of the conglomerations, I think there will always be the mom and pops. And they will need to find that distinction and that differentiation, uh, just as mom and pops have found that in, you know, uh, liquor stores or convenience stores. And, and the, the 
inevitable reality is that um, chains will grow, um, that when once we see the federal barriers of legalization fall, uh, we will see more businesses wanting to come into Colorado, wanting to have market share in this still very large market. We're, we're top three market in terms of sales still, and that's really meaningful. That's no small change. So, uh, you know, am, am I concerned about it? Certainly, because I think you lose a lot of things when that happens. You lose quality control. You lose localization. You lose personality. And at the same time, it is inevitable. And so I just want to be a part of the change and be a force of positivity as we see some of these changes kind of take over our communities and some of these names on the doors change. Well, Ricardo Baca, thank you so much for joining me. Bree, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for having me. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. An update on Casa Bonita 2.0. Looks like the Pink Palace is inching closer and closer to reopening. Recently, the 40 West Arts District posted a video of a crane hovering over CB as a fresh coat of paint was being added to the gold dome. We're still in the dark about an official reopening date, but I promise as soon as we know, you'll know. Speaking of Denver metro area institutions, Muni Information Cafe needs your help. The bookstore, coffee shop, community space, and all-ages venue on Broadway and Ellsworth has been struggling lately after one of its owners was hospitalized for many months. He's recovering well, but the store was also recently vandalized. If you can toss a few bucks towards Mutiny, we have a link to their crowdfunding campaign in the show notes. And finally, it's time for another CityCast Denver local food battle. We're going to settle the debate over Denver's favorite sandwich. Is it Snarf's or Chiba Hut? Which purveyor of toasted subs and grub will reign supreme? We'll be recording our showdown soon, and we want to hear from you. Are you a Snarf's fan, or are you a Chiba Hut lover? Or is there some other local sandwich that deserves a spot in this battle? Leave us a voicemail with your name and neighborhood, and you might hear it on the show. You can reach us at 720-500-5418. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. All they wanted to ask me about was if I had any inside Casa Bonita information. <laughs> so Kari, Denise, and Kirsten, calm down. I'll get you info as soon as I know.